Kia ora and welcome to the Dawn Chorus. I'm Bernard Hickey on the Kaka. It is Friday the 27th of August. A big day because we'll find out probably three or four o'clock after the cabinet meeting from the Prime Minister at the uh, now legendary live stream news conference whether or not uh, the rest of the country outside of Auckland uh, will be able to end its lockdown, which in theory is due to end tonight. It does look, though, that Auckland's lockdown is going to be at least a couple of weeks more, and it's not certain that the rest of us will come out of lockdown. I wanted to talk about uh, what we've learnt over the last 24 hours about the government's approach to lockdowns, what some of the experts are saying, and, and just push back a bit at some of the comments from the Prime Minister about uh, how we should look forward to a time when there aren't lockdowns while we have this elimination strategy. So yesterday, David Skegg, who of course led the um, independent uh, experts' report to the government a couple of weeks ago on reconnecting to the rest of the world, he told a select committee yesterday that it's going to be really difficult to open up next year without lockdowns because our contact tracing is not up to scratch for Delta. Delta is just so infectious and the numbers of contacts and close contacts you have to keep an eye on are so big that it has overwhelmed the contact tracing system and is also it means that our testing system is behind. Now this is all because of decades of underfunding of our public health units and you could argue not enough um, increase since the beginning of COVID last year although it's never easy to employ extra people and build new systems in the middle of COVID, as we've discovered. Um, and many businesses have struggled to employ people at the moment. So it's it's not easy. But um, the state of our tracking and tracing system is limiting our ability to open up, um, even after we're at very high levels of vaccination. Now, yesterday, the Prime Minister wanted to uh, paint a picture of how we are going into the future where there won't be the need for these particular, particularly hard lockdowns or for very long. And um, you know, she has a track record over the last year of delivering on those sorts of promises. Our lockdowns have been very hard, but they have been short. And then we've had relatively long periods without having to go into lockdown again because we've managed to keep the virus in MIQ and stop it coming through the border, in part because we have limited dramatically the number of people coming through the border, but also we have limited the number of people who are in MIQ, which is a particularly tough system. But eventually stuff gets out. And the question is, how often will it get out? And when it does, will we have to lock down hard again? And that's what I wanted to have a look at today. But before I do that, I just wanted to replay what the Prime Minister said yesterday about uh, lockdowns in future and more broadly about the elimination strategy. Here's Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern at yesterday's news conference in the Beehive. Right now, the experts are telling us to take on Delta differently but they've also told us to stick with the elimination strategy for now. In their view, it's not only possible, it remains the best strategy. 
And I totally agree. Elimination means continuing to stamp out COVID wherever it emerges, and all the while ramping up our vaccine programme and ensuring every eligible New Zealander takes up the opportunity to be protected. That's because vaccination provides everyone with their own individual armour. Previously, when we didn't have vaccines on offer, we relied on turning our borders into that protection. And when there was a chink in that barricade, using lockdowns to get an outbreak under control again. Our collective goal is to move away from having to use these measures in that way. And vaccines help us do that. No one wants to use lockdowns forever. And I can tell you now that is not our intention, as we have new tools for managing COVID and we will use them. But for now, while we vaccinate, elimination is the goal and we can do it. I know there have been a lot of commentary on our strategy versus other countries' strategies. You might have heard me to respond um, to those questions by saying that I'm not fussed by such debate. For me, and I'm sure many of others, the measure of success in this pandemic is not just what happens in August of 2021. It's what's happened since February 2020 when COVID arrived in New Zealand. Then and now, we had three goals. We wanted to save people's lives, and we have. We wanted to try and have people's lives lived as normally as possible. And even now, we've had some of the shortest periods of restrictions of any country. And we wanted to save people's jobs and the economy. With unemployment at 4% and the economy performing at pre-COVID levels, we've done that too. I know the battle with COVID is not over. It won't be for some time to come. And that's why we will keep changing up our strategy with those three things in mind. People's lives, their livelihoods, and the ability to feel as normal as possible. So there we have the Prime Minister. The ability to feel as normal as possible. Well, at the moment, we're in a level four lockdown and um, we have stopped taking new people into MIQ, or at least we've stopped uh, opening the bookings for MIQ. They were closed on Sunday night for a few days and they're still closed and it's Friday. We also have various people... Uh, thousands of people overseas desperate to come home and there are links to a couple of those stories uh, in today's dawn chorus uh, one of which a pregnant woman in the United States who has been trying to get an MIQ spot since June she has various medical issues but for some reason is not being allowed into MIQ and there are stories that I'm hearing all, from all over the world of people who are desperate to um, reach family, go to funerals, be there for loved ones when they die, and vice versa. In New Zealand, of course, uh, there is some um, huge uh, need, humanitarian need, actually, to go and visit family and to uh, to get out there. Um, not necessarily the, uh, the economic um, drivers that some people talk about when they talk about those who want to uh, look at what happens after elimination. The reason I'm talking about this is because it's becoming clear from the science and from what we're seeing um, at the border that um, New Zealand has bet on the elimination strategy to reduce the R level of Delta. Now, obviously, you need to get the R level below one to be confident you've got it under control. And it looks like the Delta variant naturally has an R level of 6. That uh, needs to get down to 1 and what we know is that vaccination levels as they are at the moment, about 40% depending on which dose you talk about, 
that gets the R level down from 6 to about 5. So nowhere near enough. Now we know from last year's level 4 lockdowns that that level 4 lockdown got uh, the R level of the previous version of Delta down to 0 0.4. So lockdowns work. The trouble is they're all we've got at the moment that actually works. You can't have a an open society without lockdowns uh, and have Delta when your vaccination rates are nowhere near 100%. And because of the very infectious nature of Delta, even if we're at 90%, um, there are going to be outbreaks that put people in hospital and will mean that some people die. The question is, how high do you need to get that vaccination level up? And what other public health measures do you use to ensure that the R level gets below one? So we need to go from basically five, where we are now, to under one, and to do it without level four lockdowns. So that implies an incredibly high vaccination rate and some quite um, aggressive uh, public health measures short of lockdown. So that means compulsory mask wearing in public, compulsory QR code using, and uh, the removal of large potential super spreader events. So church services indoor, concerts indoor, conferences indoor, and you know limiting things like funerals and weddings to 10 people and the likes. And you really couldn't allow too many people in without full two weeks in MIQ. So not much more open than what we have at the moment. And uh, it's clear from a very good piece today from Susie Wiles, from Michael Plank and Sean Hendy and Rachel Binney, that um, it's going to be really hard to come out of lockdown uh, because of these high R rates. And uh, when you listen to David Skegg, who points out that our uh, tracking and tracing systems haven't been able to handle Delta and are unlikely to be improved so much that we can handle Delta next year, I think it's worth challenging the Prime Minister's uh, point of view that we can uh, go ahead without too many lockdowns in the future. And that's where we have to, you know, consider what we do there. So there we have it, the Prime Minister saying it's the government's aim not to have lockdowns forever. Uh, that was picked up in the press conference and led to this interesting exchange where Mikey Sherman from TVNZ asked that question about uh, how you could make that statement about not being in a position of having lockdowns forever. Let's let's play this clip now. Mikey. You've said that New Zealand won't use lockdowns forever yeah. while encouraging vaccination. So what level of vaccination across the country would you be comfortable with yeah. before we abandon lockdowns? I want the highest number of people vaccinated as possible. Not only because that gives us the best chance at maintaining, you know, a level of normality in our lives, that's what protects those people's lives. 
Uh, and that's got to be our collective goal, to look after the team of five million. So every extra person that gets vaccinated saves them, saves someone in their whānau, someone in their community, and prevents the risk of outbreaks. People have asked us for numbers. The experts have really advised us to, uh, to stay away from a single number because that won't necessarily give you the level of detail we need around, for instance, what percentage amongst an age group, an ethnic profile, or even a town or community. We need the numbers to be high across all of those measures. I'll let you finish, Mikey. And so knowing that one of the um, uh, people um, infected with the COVID-19 virus this time around is yet less than one year old, yes. what do you say to parents who may be frightened when you mention a lack of lockdowns for their young children? Well, the whole reason we want everyone who is eligible to be vaccinated to be vaccinated is because then they can form a sort of barricade for those who aren't eligible to be vaccinated. The more of us who can be who are mean that we act as a form of protection for those who are too small and too young to be vaccinated. And that is why it's so important. Those who are vaccinated are still being infected with the virus and can also pass on. Ah, well, I think, yes. I mean, keeping in mind, we haven't got large-scale widespread vaccination yet, so I don't think it's fair to judge too much about the movement and transmission under those conditions. And yes, while we do have what's called breakthrough transmission, which is not unexpected, you're not seeing those individuals uh, incredibly unwell as you might for unvaccinated individuals. But I'll let Dr McElnay comment on that too. Um, and and there we have it. An interesting exchange, essentially pushing the Prime Minister. How can you say that the government is able to look at a future where we don't have lockdowns when we still don't have vaccination for under 12s? And that will be quite difficult to get over the line, as the question suggested, in political terms. How do you open up when none of the under 12s are vaccinated? So that really takes us into next year and uh, also uh, you're starting to see questions um, from those who are pretty tough on, on the idea of, of opening up, I no opening up, no uh, end to elimination. But even the government, and to be fair to them, have talked about ending the elimination strategy. The question is how high enough do we need to get vaccination up? to avoid um, our ICU systems being overwhelmed and to ensure that our contact tracing and tracking system can cope. We're nowhere near there yet. And uh, the evidence from overseas is that even when you get over 90%, uh, you're still having significant outbreaks. So the point of this discussion really is to try to probe what it would take and where that number is. Because, as you heard there, the Prime Minister is not saying what the number is. Uh, Judith Collins says the number should be 70%. The Australians are having a big debate right now. There's another National Cabinet meeting today in Australia uh, where Scott Morrison, the national politician, who's the Prime Minister, Federal Prime Minister, uh, will meet with the various premiers of the states. Uh, the, he is in line with the New South Wales Premier, Gladys Berejiklian, who's also the sort of liberal national right wing, I suppose you could say, uh, leader there for New South Wales. But they're up against uh, Queensland, Victoria and Western Australia, who all have Labour premiers, who are still wedded to the elimination strategy. So there's debate going on there. 
Meanwhile, um, New South Wales is in all sorts of trouble. Yesterday, they had to put up tents outside two of the big hospitals in Western Sydney. And the numbers are climbing scarily in Victoria, even though they're in full lockdown. I think the problem there in Australia is that, unlike here, where the public mood is very much keep elimination, stay locked down, and we saw that with the Sticky Beak poll from Spinoff this week showing 7 in 10 people wanted us to stay locked down and use elimination. 7 in 10. So the political mood here is to stay shut. In Australia, it's not. Over there, more than 60% want to go back to normal, so to speak. They want to end the lockdowns. Um, Victoria is particularly uh, wary, as in, as in tired, of the lockdowns. I've got uh, brothers there who tell me that people are, are just had enough of them. And you've seen some of these street protests where people have turned up in the hundreds without masks to protest the lockdowns. It's getting pretty ugly over there. Now, the situation is different. You have a different media uh, news corporation with its two big tabloids in Sydney and Melbourne, um, the Australian and Sky News, have been uh, very much um, anti-lockdowns and uh, very much about opening up um, and have tried a very fine line between misinformation and fair debate. Uh, so that's shaped the public mood over there. And also, you know, the Prime Minister there is not wedded to elimination. In fact, he's been trying to argue all week that Australia needs to get rid of elimination. Obviously, they're trying to madly vaccinate people as fast as they can. And it just brings us back to a couple of the key limits we face. Our vaccination plan started late. I still don't quite understand why it was so late when many others had plenty of vaccines. They were, of course, in the middle of existential crises with their own outbreaks, and we we weren't. So in a moral sense, it made sense to let them have it first. Um, but there were countries who paid up. Um, Canada paid $40 million extra to get early access to the vaccines uh, from Pfizer. And our Pfizer-only strategy has meant we've been quite dependent on them. Now, the Pfizer-only strategy seems to make sense and it's simple um, in terms of the rollout. It's also simple in terms of communication and uh, one of the reasons Australia is in a bit of a mess is that they chose AstraZeneca as their main vaccine uh, because they have a factory in Melbourne that can make it. And uh, of course they had various dramas with AstraZeneca with um, blood clots and various things. Not dramatic enough to stop it being rolled out it's interesting now that they've got these outbreaks there's not a lot of talk about vaccine hesitancy in AstraZeneca people are taking what they can get um, but um, that obviously um, hurt the Australian approach the reason I go into this in a little bit of depth is that uh, our vaccination program started late it's now being rolled out fast one percent per day obviously a record yesterday 80,000 it's more than 1%. And uh, we have to hope that we get over 90% as fast as possible. But one of the real concerns this, that's emerged this week is the uh, very slow vaccination of Māori and Pacifica communities, um, which has been laid bare in this horrible outbreak where well more than 50% of the cases are in the Pacifica community. We had this awful super spreader event at the church service four days before lockdown, and um, that would have been prevented if a lot more P 
people from the Pacifica community in Auckland had been vaccinated. There were calls months ago for effectively the vaccination program to prioritise Māori and Pacifica because the vulnerability uh, of pre-existing conditions is much higher amongst Māori and Pacifica. They are um, structurally a younger population and therefore more likely to spread it. Uh, Yet the government um, chose not to uh, prioritise Māori and Pacifica and instead use uh, age groups, in particular medical conditions, as their way of rationing the vaccines and various um, people in the Māori and Pacific communities, particularly the Māori and Pacific medical communities, say that was a mistake and uh, sure looks like it. Uh, What else is happening today in the news that you need to know about? Well, uh, this morning, bad news from Auckland where it looks like there is one positive case of a worker at a care home in Snell's Breach in Auckland, got 67 residents there, CHT Amberley, that's out of stuff. Stuff reporting that police had to shut down a mixed martial arts gym in Auckland, the one that has Israel Adesanya and Dan Hooker. Turns out they were all living in there with their families, training for a big fight. Later on, turned out uh, that wasn't legal under level four rules. Uh, scoop today from Henry Cook, who has uh, found out that, that we've had two um, very senior people in the mental health uh, ministry uh, uh, resign, and that's a particular issue. Um, we also uh, have heard from RNZ that uh, just less than 50% of tested positive are actually in managed isolation. So there's a bunch of people who are self-isolating and 100 people where no one's quite sure where they are. This is not great. And it's all because we have a limited space for MIQ. Although good news on the MIQ front with a couple of hundred uh, new rooms opening up this afternoon at the uh, IBIS uh, Novotel Ellerslie, you know, the one by the motorway. And also we're going to see the holiday in Mangari uh, open up. That's got 250 rooms. You know, that's the one on that road as you drive around to the strawberry farm. Uh, that's so 400 rooms added to the pool, uh, in particular for housing local uh, cases. Um, remember, MIQ spots have been closed. Opening up new, new MO spots have been closed because essentially we've had to uh, prioritise uh, locals. Those are the main pieces of news today. Um, Look out below in the dawn chorus for a bunch of other bits and pieces and some long reads for the weekend. I'll be coming out um, later on this afternoon with a piece on the wage subsidies. I've had a chat with Grant Nelson, the philanthropist who is taking legal action against MSD for not prosecuting people who took $13 billion worth of wage subsidies when... At least half of them probably didn't need it and didn't give it back. Um, a social license issue there, I feel. And this has been the subject of my spin-off um, podcast this week, which has come out this morning, and I'll link to that in the later piece that I do this afternoon. And, of course, we'll be doing a couple of hoons, one of which is with Peter Bale on the big events uh, globally, looking, obviously, at Afghanistan and uh, uh, the the continuing fallout from that and um, a couple of other things and I'm also going to try and 
chat to someone else in the political economy for a closer look at what's what's going on, not just in the um, with the lockdowns, but also what's happening with uh, social policy uh, elsewhere. I'm Bernard Hickey. It, that was the Dawn Chorus on the Kaka. It is Friday the 27th of August. Takite anō.